Hey everybody, this is Simone Griffin with episode 11 now of the Defend Your Ground podcast. We are here today, we're going to talk about the Antiquities Act and some big plans and, and big things that we have in the works and I'm here with Ben Burr, our, our executive director and um, he's going to talk to us about, I think we're going to start off talking about the Antiquities Act and what we've got going on there, Ben. Yeah, thanks, Simone. So a little over a week ago, we announced a legal challenge to the national monument designations in Utah. In the in the lawsuit, we actually sued President Biden because this was a monument designation. Usually in a legal action against the federal government, you're suing like an agency head um, or even like a field manager or something. But in this case, because it's the president that makes these designations, you actually sue the president of the United States. Uh, and we're challenging the Antiquities Act. We think it's been abused. Um, anyone who lives near one of these large national monuments in the West knows that it, presidents have this allegedly broad power to basically set aside millions of acres of land and and turn them into a national monuments. And that's happened in Utah with the Grand Staircase Escalante National Monument and the Bears Ears National Monument. And we know there are many more throughout the country and even throughout the oceans. Um, and so we're challenging that abuse of power. We think that the Antiquities Act was pretty clear that these monuments needed to be limited in size. And so we filed this challenge in federal court, the state of Utah also filed a separate lawsuit challenging the Antiquities Act. And so we see our case as a companion to that legal challenge. And in the state's challenge, they're advocating the state's interest. Um, the state of Utah has very different interests from a group like ours, which has a lot of recreation interest in these areas. And we also partnered with a rancher and a miner. Um, there's a Native American woman whose family has private land end holdings in the monument. And each of these uh, groups that have joined us and, and individuals get impacted by a monument in a different way. It causes them an injury. And so we want the court to evaluate this. And as I've gone through this process, I actually learned a few new things about the Antiquities Act. Um, and so I'm looking at our actual complaint right now. And our complaint includes kind of a historical briefing of the development of the Antiquities Act. And in and this was an act that was debated from the late 1800s until it was passed in 1906, I believe. And the whole point was to protect specific sites, like a, a site of an archaeological ruin on public land. And Congress debated the Antiquities Act for several years. It wasn't like it got introduced one day and then was passed. They It went through various draft forms of legislation. But one thing that was common was that there was two things that was kind of consistent across all the variations of the drafts that got proposed. And one was that they wanted to carefully delineate the precise items to be protected. And they wanted to ensure the act would empower the executive to reserve only limited tracts of federal land. And during these debates, I wasn't aware of this, 
But there were officials in the Department of Interior who wanted the broader authority. They said, well, let's just give the president the ability to set aside whatever public land contains scenic beauty or natural wonders or other things. And it was actually southern Utah. (laughs) Yeah, that's all of Western United States. And so they actually wanted the Antiquities Act to include these broad powers, but they actually expressly put in language to prohibit that. Um, And so Representative Lacey, who was one of the key members of Congress pushing this act to get passed, wrote to Secretary Hitchcock, who was the Secretary of Interior at the time, and said that it seemed that the committee, which would have been the Natural Resource Committee, was unanimously of the opinion that it would be not wise to grant authority in the Department of the Interior to create national parks generally, but that it would be desirable to give the authority to set apart small reservations not exceeding 320 acres each, where the same contained cliff dwellings and other prehistoric remains. And there are multiple uh, passages like that out of the historical record that are included within our complaint. But the point being is that everybody, when they passed this, understood that it was only to be limited to unique sites and that the, I mean, there are acreage limits here of 320 acres each, both Wyoming and Alaska have exemptions to the antiquities act. Um, after presidents came and designated large national monuments in those areas, their members of Congress created exemptions that restrict a president from being able to designate large national monuments in those States. And so in multiple instances where we see Congress speak to what the limits are of the power of the Antiquities Act, they speak pretty clearly. And and the clear message they send is that this can't just be used to designate an, a monument of unlimited size. And that's how currently presidents have been using it. And so our challenge is a direct challenge of that abuse of authority. Uh, we want to see this case ultimately hopefully be decided by the Supreme Court. We know Justice Roberts, a little over a year ago, shared his concerns that presidents were abusing this act. And I want to see, I I would love for someone like uh, Supreme Court Justice Neil Gorsuch to answer the question of whether a landscape can be an object situated on a landscape. Um, Those are the kind of tortured uses of language that those who argue for the broad expansion of power in the Antiquities Act seem to argue. And you see arguments like, well, other presidents have done it. And so because they've gotten away with it, it should be okay. And that's why we have a Supreme Court is if, if we can get the right case before the court, we can get them to decide on instances like this, where we think power is being abused and people are being hurt. And uh, I think that's what makes this different too, is I've had people ask me, well, you know, why do you think you even have a chance at, I mean, like, what's the point basically? Um, and because Justice Roberts has brought that up, that he has concerns about it, it does make this situation a little bit different, I feel like. Yeah, I mean, the consistency of the federal courts changes over time, the consistency of the Supreme Court change over time. And and in this case, there, I mean, we think that there is an appetite for this. Um, clearly these monuments are controversial. I mean, those who support them always like to point to how popular they are and, 
it's true that the land within these monuments is popular. People like to go visit these areas. They're beautiful. They are filled with fascinating archaeological resources that we believe should be protected. They are protected by dozens of other laws. Um, all of the resources in these monuments are. And so the Antiquities Act isn't even the best tool for protecting archaeological resources in the year 2022. It might have been in 1906. Yeah, I mean, any protected and by all kinds of federal laws designed to we've passed dozens of laws to protect the natural resources and the wildlife and the air and the water and the um, there's the land itself. And there's all kinds of rules and regulations. And if you're out there doing like if you go out and actually vandalize or deface or st or take um, archaeological resources off the federal land, those are all like federal crimes with significant penalties and all the, but and so then the question is, well, what are you so concerned about? And our concern is that the antiquities act does create added levels of restriction that are unnecessary um, that don't necessarily protect directly those resources and take areas that are bigger than some states and put them under really restrictive management plans and practices that prevent what was previously, what we would argue is relatively harmless traditional use of the land. So we see a lot of road closures in these areas. Um, we see a restriction of access to the natural resources. And so whether you're a Native American who wants to go remove firewood or herbs or something from the landscape, or you want to go develop a small mining claim or something along those lines. You just can't do that. Um, there are some who would argue that that's what is wanting to happen here is that we want to just sell the whole place out to natural resource extraction industries. And I mean, let's be honest, Bears Ears especially was open for exploration for natural resource extraction for decades. And most of the, if there were minerals there, they've already been discovered and recovered. Um, that being said, there still are people with active mining claims that that's a private property, right? That they have a right to access and develop and you had designate a monument and it prevents them from, from mm -hmm. developing that private property. Right. And that's why we have a miner as one of our partners on this. Um, so Simone, like let's shift gears a little bit. You've been attending, they are currently developing monument plans for both of these monuments. I, they're further along in the process with Grand Staircase Escalante National Monument. And so why don't you tell our listeners, how, is, how are you seeing the potential for these monument plans, which will enact all the restrictions that come along with the monument? Um, how are those going to impact those who want to recreate in these areas? I know you've yeah, looked a lot at this. So um, Grand Staircase Escalante National Monument, they've already started scoping meetings. The Bears Ears, I believe the first scoping meeting is this week. Um, and I believe it's just a virtual meeting and then they'll have some in-person meetings. Um, one of them is actually in Albuquerque, New Mexico, which um, is interesting because it's so far away from actual Bears Ears. But so I have been attending these scoping meetings and um, and it's interesting because I, you hear from the agency and we're in the scoping phase. So they haven't developed any alternatives. There's no, um, net, there's not necessarily any concrete plans being proposed yet. They're just gathering broad ideas from people. But within those meetings, you do see areas that they're looking at to make 
wilderness study areas, areas with wilderness characteristics, especially so I was at the one of the scoping meetings for Grand Staircase and the areas that they're looking to make areas with wilderness characteristics, which would take out a lot of these roads and these recreation areas. Um, I was I was talking to a rancher and how it would really affect their ranching operation. It would affect recreation. There's a place, because I live in Escalante, I mean, this is literally in my backyard. Actually, it's in my front yard. It's right across the street where, where all of this is taking place. And one example is there's an area called Little Desert Open OHV area. It has been around for generations. Uh, my husband's grandpa rode on this area. His dad learned to ride a motorcycle on this in this area. My husband did and my kids currently do. And that's one of the areas that they're looking to actually close off and restrict. Um, and so it is important, even though this is just the first step in the comment period, it is important to comment throughout um, because the resource management plans will set the stage for plans that are coming in the future. And it will close off broad areas as they look to designate, you know, areas with wilderness characteristics and backcountry areas as they refer to it, which which is basically wilderness. Um, there's going to be no roads in those areas. So it's going to affect recreation. It's going to affect the ranchers. It's going to affect anybody who needs to have some type of motorized access into these areas. Um, and it makes it really difficult for people who still have um, they're, they're still making a living off of these areas like the ranchers are. Uh, they've got such limited areas where they can actually drive to. There's so few roads that um, they're, they're trying to educate tourists as they're trying to, you know, move along their cattle operation and it's really congested. And so if we have roads even limited more, it's just going to cause more and more problems. Um, it's going to make it harder for people to recreate. It's going to make it harder for ranchers. And and we're going to see this as the scoping comes out for Bears Ears. I haven't been able, I haven't attended any of those scoping meetings yet, but I assume it's going to be the same thing. They're going to try to designate these large areas as roadless areas that will make it so that you can only walk and so anybody who has any physical limitations, I mean, they're not going to be able to access these areas. In Bears Ears, one of the big concerns from um, the local Navajo chapter, for example, um, I've heard discussions with them is, you know, they want to be able to go out and gather wood. Their elders want to be able to access this land and without roads, they won't be able to do that. So it's problematic for, for various reasons. Yeah. And I've, I remember we've talked to several, uh, OHV groups or ATV riding clubs that would go and do organized rides in these areas. And we're already starting to see the BLMs restricting what routes they can access in the areas for an organized ride. Um, they're called, they, they consider that a form of commercial activity. And so they come with a whole new layer of restrictions. And so that's limiting the ability of groups to go and freely associate on public land. I know there's been restrictions on religious groups trying to do the same thing, like pioneer treks on hauling the road or hole in the road rock. Go. 
And so that directly impacts a lot of our members. A lot of our members are clubs and organizations who the lifeblood of their of their organization is to be able to go do an organized ride and get that educational experience, explore new areas. And so we know already because Grand Staircase is further along, um, they've, the Perea Road has Priya River Road has been in constant contestation for years now. Um, it used to be a really popular OHV route going through the Grand Staircase and um, inch, the road to Inchworm Arch. We've seen them restrict the access to that. as well is also, and they're going to, um, talks at the, the scoping meetings or is there's going to be, right now you can take a group in a lot of these areas. Um, you could take a hundred people or so, uh, but they are looking to put those limitations and certain areas it'll only be, I think the majority, it'll be 50 people or less. The backcountry areas that they're looking to designate is only going to be 10 people. So if you've got a big family, you won't be able to go there. <laughs> yeah. And so that brings up another point. Um, and so if you, one thing that always happens when you really heavily restrict access into such a big area as this to a few limited places, I mean, you've lived in Escalant for a while, Simone, I'm assuming you used to go to Calf Creek Falls, um, prior to, or, or before it became a discovered destination point. Yeah. Is it, is it better or worse since it became a prominent feature of a national monument? worse we don't go to calf creek falls anymore um there's still a few spots that aren't well known by everybody else um that don't have trash and i mean that have just kind of gotten destroyed um i'm not even gonna say what they're called because i don't want everybody going to that yeah, and that and to be fair, I mean we support access. I want more people to visit Calf Creek Falls. That's owned by the American people. It's their right to visit the area. But it's my But it belief. is restricted right now. I mean campsites because it used to be such a great place to camp, but there's limited amount of places that people can go camp and, and it's one of the best places I think that that you can camp because you've got Calf Creek River going by. I mean, it's so fun for kids to go play in. Um, but you go there on a busy weekend and you don't get to camp there because you've got a finite amount of space that, you, that you're allowed to camp on anymore. If I mean, before, if you could go along the whole river, then it would accommodate everybody. But right now, because it has been limited, you, you can't. Yeah, and that's one of the other great ironies of the Antiquities Act is as they've used it now to essentially create national parks, which in the original intent, they said it shouldn't be used for. Um, you take these areas that used to be protected by obscurity and the fact that nobody knew about them. And that led to this very unique backcountry experience for those who were willing to go out and explore and find that experience. And like you, I have my other spots all over Utah in the West that haven't been discovered yet. And I share some of them, some of them I don't, because I do believe that the public has a right to access those and they need to go there and behave responsibly. But once you declare something a national monument, you really are like shining. It's like the the Fox 20th century 
before you know. a feature film spotlights like come here come to this well, big it's attraction not even just to the rest of the country it's to the entire world to the I world and thought. come see this spot and it's like on the cover of national geographic magazine and now it yeah. becomes something on everybody's bucket list and that promotional activity that happens around national monuments is more destructive to the national monument than any behavior that was happening prior absolutely and and so, and it doesn't mean that I want to create the limitations. I want the lands to be open. But what we spend a lot of our time doing is trying to monitor and inform and influence agencies who now are dealing with this problem that there's a lot of people coming into specific spots. And then they close everything else around it. Then so they, they can't spread out. More and and more it and is more. this downward spiral of restrictions that concentrates people into smaller and smaller areas and it's because i mean if you look at grand staircase escalante national monument for example it's 1.9 million acres most people i don't think realize how massive that is there's so much land out there to explore and so many cool things and it can accommodate all the users however all the users are being confined into these small areas because roads have been closed off. There are restricted areas that's hard to access now for certain spots. And so that's why these few areas are just getting trashed because they're restricting it more and more instead of letting people access their public lands. Yeah. And that's what you're seeing in Bears Ears. We've been on Monument Advisory Committee meetings where they talk about certain Bruins where people are climbing all over them. They're having to fence them off. And so now it used to be like kind of this primitive ruin that you might go find through a really unique hiking experience into the back country of this area now is like a paved path to a fenced off ruin with a parking lot and signs all over telling you what you can and can't do. Um, shining a spotlight on these areas didn't help them in any way, shape or form. It, and those who, uh, push for these monuments, that's on them to account for that. They created that problem. Uh, prior to this, the amount of people visiting these areas would have been a lot more manageable for the agencies and for organizations like ours, Tread Lightly, and so many of the other organizations who are out there educating users to be responsible users. There were, there were manageable levels of visitation. Um, once you declare it a monument, then you've put everybody into a lose-lose situation. And it hurts the resource, it hurts the recreation experience, and like we've said, it also hurts all the other users on this landscape, like the ranchers and the miners and everybody else who also have a right to be there. Um, and so we have, uh, if it's not clear now, we have big concerns about this. There's a public comment period for the Grand Staircase Escalante National Monument. It ends on September 26th? 27th. 27th. And so we have an action alert. You can go submit a comment and uh, tell those who are managing this monument that we need them to keep the recreation areas open, that concentrating users into smaller areas is just ruining the recreation experience. And these are public lands that belong to everybody. And uh, we need them to work to create a recreation friendly plan. And in addition to that, I also think developing this plan probably needs to, they need to hit the brakes a little bit. Um, let's see what happens in court. I know that when President Trump reduced the boundaries, a lot of the environmental groups wanted to challenge that in court, and they were they were the first to say that no monument plan should be developed until the legal challenges are settled. And 
so it's probably a good time for the those pushing these plans to hold their horses and see what happens. In the meantime, there is a public process that's currently open now. It is a limited window of opportunity to influence these plans as the public. And so we should all be submitting comments using, you can use our extra alert tool where we give you the link to where you can go learn more about it on our website. We'll put a link to that in the description to this podcast. Um, so it's about time to wrap up, Simone. I know last night you were working on a on an objection. You were helping a one of our partner yeah. groups in Arizona. This was for Tonto National Forest, um, and we've we've done this a few times. There's so many plans, and it's really hard for just one organization and one group to keep up with every single plan that comes across our plate. Um, and so what I was doing last night was helping an organization who had submitted comments throughout the planning process. I was helping them submit an, an objection to the, the final plan that was released. And so that's something that we do. Um, and I've worked with other organizations in Arizona, Montana. There's um, some clubs up there that I've been working with to kind of help them know how to be involved in this process and and so it's been cool to see these different groups work together and and that's something that we can offer and we can do is uh, we can help them submit those objections and those comments and learn how to be effective so that they actually if they need to litigate that we can help them with that yeah and that's what I, it's it's just a good illustration of the range of the work we do i mean on one level we're we're playing a leading role in what will hopefully be a lawsuit in a case that goes to the Supreme Court challenging a really big issue like the Antiquities Act. Um, last night, we were playing an advisory role for another four-wheel drive club. The Arizona State Association of Four-Wheel Drive Clubs was the name of the club uh, to challenge a national forest plan that we think had some problems with it. And so it was in the objection phase, which means it's sort of your last chance before the final decision to encourage the agency to make some changes. And so at that point, they only let assert you have to have been participating in that process all along the way. And they had been participating more extensively than BRC had. And so we decided it'd be better for that group to enter their objection. And we just advised them on some of the issues that they raised. And we did a similar, played a similar role with the Sierra Sequoia National Forest of California. And so sometimes we're playing an advisory role to other groups. Sometimes we're leading the case on these. Um, but it all goes to show that when we're united and working together, we're, we're able to get a lot of work done. And so we have membership levels for organizations. So if you're like part of an ATV club or a snowmobile club or anything that is an organization, um, we want your organization to be a member of BRC so that we can be on one level, you're supporting us on these big cases like the National Monument case. Um, and then when the time comes, there will probably be those moments where we come and support you and help you and advise you on the issues that are affecting your backyard and the areas where you like to explore and find your own adventures. So um, anyway, it's just always a busy week, a uh, busy time at BRC. There's a lot going on and we're, we appreciate everybody's support. We, if you haven't subscribed to the podcast yet, you should go ahead and do that. We're going to keep releasing these at least one episode a week and keep you updated on our work and hats off to submit comments for grand staircase and bears ears management plans um, that are, that are open right now. So, 
submit comments for that and and become a member if you're not, especially if you're part of a, a club that, that we can help you with some of these issues as well.